You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's Essential Apple Podcast. The news has been a bit in on the ground, I'll be honest. So it's a bit of luck that uh, this week I have Mark joining me. Hello, Mark. Hello, Simon. How are we doing today? It's uh, uh winter has finally arrived, I think, on these shores. How's it over with you? Uh, yeah, it's uh, not been too bad today, but um, I'm told yet again there will be another beast from the east coming. Snowmageddon. Uh, I'm getting a bit. I'm getting a bit bored of that nickname. It's the time they come up with a new one but allegedly it's going to turn very cold starting tomorrow i'm gonna to go with wendy from the west instead of beast from the east yeah <laughs> exactly and uh we are joined by andreas Gailunas of pixelmater hello andreas hey hey everyone and i guess we have to do the british thing now and say uh how is the weather in lithuania it's uh, it's definitely getting quite wintry these days. Just a few days ago, we had uh, our first little frost, and right now it's just hovering around plus two, plus four degrees, and, and kind of rainy. So, just getting down to that that uh, difficult time of the year that you kind of have to just grin and bear it and get through it until spring yeah. comes around. <laughs> Grit your teeth till spring. That's it. Close the curtains, turn the fire up, pour a large uh, scotch, and hope for the best. Exactly. <laughs> You know how this show goes. You've been on before. So I think, uh, Mark, do you want to ask some opening questions to uh, ease us in? Yeah, well, well, obviously, a lot of people know Pixelmator, but let's just go back in time and just refresh ourselves. So Pixelmator, how did it start up and why did it start up? Uh, So the story behind that is in, I think, late 2006, uh, Apple announced Core Image, and uh, two brothers, Solus and Idas, uh, decided that th- that that would be a, a great opportunity to create uh, an image editor using that technology. Because because a lot of it was now baked into to OS ten as it was called then. Uh, it, it wouldn't it shouldn't be too difficult for, for you know for a couple of guys to get something going, and they wanted a, a kind of very Mac. Uh, very, very sort of, yeah, native image editor. And when it, when Core Image was was released, I think it, I think it was two thousand seven, early early seven. Yeah, they started working on it. Um, and I think there was uh, maybe one or two other guys. And from from the idea to the first sort of running product, uh, it took I think nine months or something. And so two thousand seven, Pixelmator came out. Just uh, a GPU-powered uh, image editor it was also very, very um, unusual at the time because everything was running on CPU just because of the the way the technology was back then. Uh, and and yeah, that's that's kind of how Pixelmator came about. 
So when you were first developing Pixelmate to start off with, was it a conscious decision to go GPU? I mean, why not just yeah. do what everyone else yeah. did and not just go, oh, you know what? It seems to be the trend these days that... Um, it seems to be the trend these days that, you know, oh, well, you know, the CPUs will get faster, let them just catch up. So it was a conscious decision from the outset. Yeah, because basically the GPU is obviously a very powerful part of, of uh, you know, the computer, of, of, the, of the hardware, and pretty much no image editing aspect should uh, take advantage of it to process images just because, just because it was very difficult to sort of code your own know, shaders and stuff. And everything, everything was uh, CPU based, like on OpenCL and stuff like that. And GPU based stuff only became possible with Corian, pretty much. And that's that's yeah, that's that's why it was a conscious decision because because the idea was it would make it would, it would be possible to get everything running really quickly uh, on the GPU. Yeah. So, what sort of stuff were you developing on? What was your hardware back in the day that you were? That... I actually wasn't around back then. To be honest, I've been, I've been a Pixelmate for about three years, but I just I just know the history behind it. But uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you the hardware uh, back then. I'm trying to think, but I I don't want to don't want to get anything wrong oh, here. The, the Mac <laughs> hist- the history side of Apple is definitely Apple's speciality. You give him a year, and he'll be able to go. Oh yes, that was the so and so PC. That would that would. Yeah, you've just fallen into the Intel era then. You didn't have to do uh, uh, anything back in the uh, PowerPC days. You know, I, th- I think no, Pixelmator was actually, I think they were, they were the first uh, couple of versions was, was PowerPC and that was at some point. Uh, I think the transition to Intel, like full transition happened. So obviously when it, when it came out, the I think the, the Macs were Intel, but there were lots of Macs that were PowerPC still um, being used by people, obviously. And now, obviously, just we are going to be dotting around a little bit in this interview. So now, obviously, uh, everything is running under metal. I would assume. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, a lot of it. So, so Pixelmator Pro is is obviously is uh, High Sierra and and uh, and Mojave, and that's because right now you have to have a metal compatible GPU to to run the app, and that's just uh, for for. Variety of reasons. Uh, the original Pixelmator is part, partially metal, partially uh, other technologies, obviously like Open, Open GL, Open CL core image, and whatever. Yeah. And I'm going to go completely, completely out of my depth in comfort zone here. Just in a real world, in, just in the real world of what you develop in, just how good or how poor is metal, and what is it like to sort of work with? Because one of the things I always like to look at, especially at WWDC. You get the slides that say these features that can only be done with metal. Uh, you see things like replay kit, which never really come to fruition. What's been for you one of the surprising things about metal? Uh, well, I have to put my hands up and say I'm, I'm a marketing guy. I don't do I don't do much coding or any coding at all. I, but uh, but I do obviously know some of the things that they got. So so with, with metal, uh, we can do. And and basically, with going through the GPU in general, we can bring lots of real time stuff. So with the original Pixelmator, it was real time previews of effects and adjustments. I don't know. If, I don't know um, back in the day in, in Photoshop, you wouldn't actually get like previews of your effects as you put them on. So you'd apply them and see what happens. Whereas with Pixelmator, you could kind of you know move some sliders to see real time what happens in your image. And so with with Metal now in Pixelmator Pro, we've been 
basically able to bring the entire uh, non-destructive workflow. So you apply adjustments, effects, and whatever, and everything is is is, is non-destructive. So the real the changes are real time in your image, and they also remain editable whenever you want to sort of go back and adjust anything like the colors uh, or the, the effects, uh, layer styles, and, and so on. So that's kind of and obviously metal makes everything more efficient and faster. So you, you know. Whereas maybe with the original Pixmator, we wouldn't have been able to do uh, the non-destructive stuff. Now with metal and the improved hardware, everything can work non-destructively. So that's kind of that's 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 uh, one of the main benefits of of a technology like metal, which which really cuts down the the overheads and gets you uh, makes it possible to basically use the hardware pretty much you know directly without any kind of in between processing. Now you've mentioned the i word, the iPad, and, and that's that's been one of the the products that's caught probably the most conversation in the last sort of few shows that we've had. I think we've all forgotten about the Mac Mini. God bless it. Where, where do you stand <laughs> on the on the iPad being a creative powerhouse? Now, obviously, I'm probably targeting this to the wrong person, but what where do you feel that the iPad is now? Uh, is being so closely priced to a laptop, yet being arguably so far away from a laptop. Ah, oh, you know it's difficult. The iPad is such a is such a versatile device, but at the same time, obviously, people people what they want. A lot of people is to move their professional workflows onto it, which obviously doesn't work for everyone. But it's getting closer. It's getting a lot closer. You know, with with this latest iPad Pro, the hardware inside it is is incredible and. And you know you've got obviously people like uh, Adobe bringing Photoshop to it, and 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 you know just little steps. But uh, to me, where is the iPad? I mean, I I have an iPad. I use it for various things. I've actually once <laughs> interesting thing that I use it for is I use it as a for sheet music. So I sing in a choir, and I have all my like music on there. Um, and obviously, I love editing uh, photos where they were working on a on an app called Pixelmator Photo. Uh, which was announced uh, at the Apple event in Brooklyn just uh, was it, three three weeks ago, I think. And I've really been enjoying using that. So it's 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 really it's really just it it really depends on what kind of things you do and what kind of uh, apps you find and the tools you have on and that and that determines what kind of device it is for you. Because you know maybe maybe editing video. Some people might not be enough. Editing images, you know, you might you might have everything you need on there. This really depends on on the person. I will admit, coming from the video editing side of things, I'm really disappointed with the lack of what I call quality video editing apps, which winds me up all the more when you see developers like yourself making you know, app pro apps like Pixelmator, and you're thinking, why can I not? edit a video and have the same love and attention of doing video work on an iPad as all these, you know, of, of all the drawing apps. Now, you did mention the A word. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your take on the Adobe demonstration um, overall? If you, if, I mean, well, first of all, I should ask, did you, did you see the demonstration at the Apple event? Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was in Brooklyn, actually. I was at the event. Um, oh, get you did you nick anything did you get a pen <laughs> I, I did get to take a, a look at, at you know all the all the devices and they and they looked really great and yeah the the demonstration i don't know i think it's gonna be really interesting to see what the app is gonna is gonna have uh what the kind of tools is gonna have when it comes out that's that's really what i want to see because obviously the the big the big uh, i guess buzz 
around around the whole thing is that it's you know full Photoshop, but yeah, I've heard various uh, you know comments around around the the web on places like Reddit, uh, you know, saying that there's you know there's quite a few things missing. We'll see we'll see how you know how how everything works. But obviously, I think it's great. I think like I you know for us it's not like we're saying that like oh no they, they brought Photoshop to the iPad oh we're you know we're gone. No, I mean we you know Photoshop's always been around the Mac and and you know they they have the you know the whole idea of the app is kind of different to what we're trying to do. So it's not like we're, I don't know, we're really, we, we feel it really affects us. And I think it's cool. It's great to see. I think it's, I think it's great to see, you know, people get more and more out of, of the iPad. So I'm all for it. I think I've seen the same Reddit thread that you had where basically what everyone is saying is that they're bringing the Photoshop engine to the iPad, and then they're going to start coding features in as they go along, which sounds it's it sounds a bit reactionary to me because it can't have been that far off Adobe's radar to go. Oh, you know, we'll we'll avoid the iPad because it hasn't got that much power. It hasn't got that much power in Apple, in especially in this event, they really did put that one slide where they said it's got the graphics. Uh, it it's got more processing power than pcs in an xbox one it just i don't know something just feels a little bit off with sort of oh here's an engine we'll plug it in as we go rather it just seems a bit haphazard but maybe i'm reading I think, too much i think one of the biggest uh problems with with like the the ipad isn't so much the the, the lack of power it definitely has the, the processing power uh i think it's just like memory because everything has to run on the on the ram pretty much uh, and you know, on a Mac, you've got like you know, spot memory you can put on the hard hard drive. So let's say you're running, uh, you know, an app like Pixelmator, you've got I don't know, let's say whatever eight gigs of RAM. You can always even you've got always like backup and stuff. And I think yeah, you don't really have that on the iPad. Yes, that's like the biggest biggest uh, roadblock. And I don't know, I think at some point um, we'll we'll get a solution for it somehow and and yeah but actually another thing i want to say was is, is that it's really difficult actually shipping you know a brand new product even for i guess for a for a huge huge company like like adobe so i get the, i get the fact that they're bringing a, maybe a somewhat smaller set of tools I, because yeah i i think personally and it's just my take but uh the thing is with photoshop photoshop is a huge application um and I'm pretty sure that it contains, you know, great big chunks of, of legacy code. And I, I think it find it's a lot more difficult to take something like that, port it onto iOS and say, we're going to give you full Photoshop because there is so much stuff in there, much of which is probably got to be rewritten from the ground up to work with metal to work on the iPad, to to work with, you know, a more constrained RAM overhead. That's a really big undertaking. Whereas, you know, when you look at, for example, uh, when we had Affinity on and they were talking about doing Affinity Photo for the iPad, as you said, we, we had an advantage really because Affinity for the Mac is a new product built from the ground up to use all the latest hardware and software components. So to take that and then put it onto the iPad was still a huge undertaking, but we were not 
saddled with trying to recreate big chunks of legacy code that have been there forever. And, and I think, you know, I, I think that's a lot of it from Adobe's point of view. And I think probably, I, I think they were late to the game because they started off on iOS messing around with these sort of bits of Photoshop. There was various kind of editors and things which were cut down bits of this and that and and people were like yeah but this isn't this isn't really what we want and i think when more fully featured tools started to appear especially once the ipad pro arrived the adobe uh, i think they thought found they'd been caught on the back foot and so you know i don't have any information on this but I, i'm pretty sure that they found themselves in a position where it's damn, we're going to have to start and we're going to have to start building from the ground up. So, you know, that's my take. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's fact. I'd agree with, with, with that for the most part, yeah. Yeah. See, I mean, again, as you say, I mean, Pixelmator is not, uh, you know, it's not an ancient product, if you know what I mean. Not, I'm not saying that it's not got some history because it has and it's been around for a, a few years now. And obviously, I I retweeted the post about what's the difference between Pixelmator and Pixelmator Pro. I mean, in that, you know, you guys were saying, well, it's not like Pixelmator is a, a lesser uh, editor or a lighter editor, or it's just that's the Pixelmator we built. And now there's all these new uh, technologies available. There's all these new ways of working. So Pixelmator Pro, like a reimagining, it's 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 Pixelmator done from the ground up again. You know, even, even you have had to effectively say we need to clear out some of this legacy code and rebuild because there are things now which can be done differently. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. That's 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 pretty much uh, what we 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 came up against with with the original Pixelmator. We wanted to bring uh, you know, a lot of things like non-destructive editing and so on. And it was just like, okay, we'll have to redo everything. And if we if we kind of completely redo it and, and, and create this kind of new app and we take away the old app from people as well, I'll be crazy. So, all right, let's just start with a brand new app. Let, leave the old Pixelmator, you know, uh, for people to use because obviously lots of people love it. People are so used to it and and, and familiar with it. And like these are quite drastic changes, so we thought, okay, we'll start with a with a new app, and that was, you know, part of the, well, the I guess the main reason was we wanted to bring all these new ways of working and take advantage of all these new technologies, and we couldn't really do it without just rewriting everything, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I've got the uh, Pixelmator Pro, the latest beta, and I have to say it is, you know, massively different from from the old Pixelmator. The old Pixelmator obviously has a very familiar photoshop-esque i had the rage when i installed pixel beta pro i was one of the i was that person and just went why why is it changed <laughs> where is this tool why have they changed it all damn you pixel meter and then it was like oh and yeah, i'm old and i don't know how to learn things but then you start you, it's like what it's it sort of comes back to the iPad, you know. There's us fuddy duddies now who type on these plastic thing called keys, and yet there's a whole generation of, uh, behind us who 
who just type on uh, glass. And that is exactly what I had with, like, with Pixelmator Pro. I was like, why? Why is this menu here? <laughs> this is nonsense. It should be over there. <laughs> what, where, where is the stuff on the left again? Um, I have to I have to admit, um, I, I've, I've sent in a feedback because I do not like the tools on the right-hand side. Sorry, I really don't. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Actually, I, I, read, I read that just before I sat down the, for the podcast because like, I, I, I'm also on the on the beta email, so I, I take a look at and answer the emails there. No, I get that. I, it's, you know, I mean, so exactly. I mean, if if we want to have a quick chat about like the difference between Pixelmator and Pixelmator Pro, well, so yeah, yeah, go for it. That's that's what we're here for. Because um, like as I said to you before we started recording. Uh, to me now, Pixelmator is it's it's that must we do of every now and again in our Slack chat room we do what are the essential apps you install on your Mac or on your on your machine. Pixelmator is right. In fact, it's become my new Paint Shop Pro. Yeah, yeah that's 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 great. So what I wanted to say before uh, was was exactly um, Simon was was spot on saying that Pixelmator is kind of Photoshop esque. And it was very much inspired by that kind of uh, way of thinking, you know, at the time. Whereas, whereas with Pixel Pro, we wanted to like create this, you know, even well, completely native version of the app. So, I mean, you know, tools on the right that was inspired by like kind of photos, the photos app, right? That's how things are set up over there. Um, like layers on the left, that was inspired partly by Keynote, and we, we try to take all these kind of you know aspects of, of Mac apps. And and use that as inspiration for for creating this. I, I I mean I get I get the whole thing of like you know it's it's unfamiliar and and I mean I, I hate change. I, for example, speaking of Reddit, Reddit you know has a new design and I'm I'm sticking with the old design for as long as I don't know they let me because because <laughs> I don't know I'm just familiar with it. I like it and I'm like <laughs> oh no I hate all this new no 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 change. But I, for me with 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 Pixel Pro I you know after a couple of weeks of using it actually. Uh, I was completely hooked on 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 the way we're doing it, but that's not to say that everything's perfect. Not by any well, no, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's a beta, and obviously, you know, the whole point of the beta is to get feedback and find what works and what doesn't. And in reality, there's no reason that the tools can't be on the right. It's just I have 30 years of muscle memory where every yeah. app in the whole world has the tools on the left hand side. The other thing, which um, it works fine on my MacBook Pro because my MacBook Pro obviously is a 13-inch screen, so you know, along the size of a of a um, iPad, you know, a large iPad Pro. So you know, you've gone for a one-window design, so everything's within the frame, which also no doubt ties in really, really well with uh, you know oh, an I've, iPad. I've got a, a or, saying here, uh, right. <clears throat> This is where I'm going to say almost there. And just, was it a conscious decision to have a bit of synergy between the desktop and the iPad app? Uh, well, I mean, the Pixelmator Pro for iPad, we actually were planning uh, on, on creating it and releasing it. But for now, it's not something that we'll be doing, at least in the, in the, in the near future, just because it's, uh, well, we haven't managed to, to, to get to a point where we're kind of happy with it. Um, so Pixelmator Photos is, is the app that we're working on right now. Uh, on the iPad, uh, we'll see how it goes. But in terms of the design, I get that. That, for example, yeah, in the one window, I think in your email, Simon, you said that uh, the the, the right hand side takes up too much space. And that's that's actually something that we're very much aware of, and we uh, we do plan to make some changes there because the presets tend to. Uh, we, I mean, I think personally, we generally think 
overall that they take up too much space. So that's definitely something that we'll be, you know, doing in the future. And we have plans to uh, improve the the layer side. But I mean, actually, over the so Pixelmator Pro isn't itself the app isn't in beta. There's a beta version. Oh of, yeah, it's of, in beta. It. So it's, it's big. I mean. Yeah. And uh, you know, in the email, they said you know that, for example, at the moment, the, the tool options take up a lot of screen estate, but at the moment, there's no there's no key to toggle them, so you have to go to the view, uh, hide the tool options. Now, if there was a key toggle for that, then it would be less of an of a of a problem because it's like hiding and showing your palette. So that's what a beta is for, isn't it? That's so that I can send you that feedback and say, yeah. if you, could we have a, you know, could we have a, um, and, and these things happen all the time. And I, I'm, I'm um, participating in the uh, affinity publisher beta. And I, I keep saying, I kept sending in and so did other people. And, you know, please, can we have a, a command shortcut for place? Because the way I work, I'm constantly placing things in my layout, photographs, whatever. And at the moment, you have to go up to the, you know, edit, place, navigate to the document. You know, can we at least have a command shortcut? And uh, I don't know what beta it is now, 1.7 something. <laughs> I sent in an error or like a, a request this morning, actually, when I sent one into the same as you and said, you know, please, please, can we actually have a command toggle for place in the publisher? And uh, then there was a like, there's a new version you could download. And lo and behold, it was in there. So I had to send one like, ignore that last comment. <laughs> it's now in. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's, you know, that's part of the joy of being involved in the beta, of course, because I'm not a, a developer, I'm not a coder, but I can. Uh, you know, in a small way, I feel I can interact with the people who are building apps that I like and say, I like this, I don't like that, you know, or I found a bug here or this doesn't work. And so, you know, it's, I, you know, if you enjoy something, give something back. And so I find participating in the betas, you know, something I enjoy. For that reason, I feel like I'm, I'm giving a little bit back. Yeah, I mean, I, I love feedback of, of all kinds. Uh, for me, the most frustrating thing out of pretty much everything is when people like say leave the comments or app store reviews saying oh, i really wanted to like this app but i didn't like it I'm like oh, i can't use it it's, it's impossible to, to yeah understand that's it. Like, like, oh no no tell me exactly what you don't like <laughs> tell, tell me what tell me what doesn't work for you yeah as i said um you know in in the email uh the the one frame thing works wonderful on my macbook pro i'm sure it would work you know when the time comes on an ipad but on a big screen multi monitor setup, I like to tear the pallets off and put them on a separate screen. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and, and by no means are you the first to, to to have that feedback. And obviously, it's something we we again we have in mind. It's on the on the list. We'll see how uh, how we can how we can you know make yeah. things better here. So, um, and it's definitely something that we have been thinking about. We have like let's say for the next maybe six months or something. We have something like uh, things lined up, and then further down the line, we'll be. We, we are you know, planning things for, for next year and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, sure, that's great. And uh, by the way, you know, the, I I do I am liking the beta. You know, I am enjoying. I say, it. don't don't invite the guest on. Say, right, we've got a guest on the show. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like that. That's wrong. No, this is wrong. No, no, I'm just saying. And you know, Andreas is saying he read my email that I sent earlier today, and they were some things. And I tried to be constructive. I didn't just go. 
it's horrible and the, and the options take up too much space on my screen. I offered a, you know, offered a solution, give it a toggle, that will help. There we go. It's just, <laughs> it's a to and fro. This is the, this is the point. But I do, I do like it. And, you know, there are things, and like Andrea said, I'm sure if I use it enough, I'll get used to the tools being on the, on the right hand side. It's just, for me, every app I've ever used has the toolbox on the left. And that's just, why is that? I don't know, because that's just how it how it's been. And for 30 years, that's what people do. And I guess that's just habit. Why did we put them over? Well, every other app has the toolbox on the left, so I'll stick it there. Speaking of feedback, so how do you decide about what uh, what features to include and what to exclude? Is there, Obviously, there's a conscious decision to listen to the beta people, but where where when's the decision made and how is it made? uh well it really it depends on sometimes so like quick things like for example a keyboard shortcut for hiding the tool options right that's that's uh you know that's something you can do pretty much we have we actually i do have a shortcut for hiding the tools it's command t's i'm not sure maybe for tool options but without tools yeah we could add one for that for example but yeah so it's like things like keyboard shortcuts that's that's something that if if you think it's a good idea well, if we think if we think it's a good idea, we'll just go. Yeah, let's do that, and it'll take you know, five ten minutes. Bigger features, it depends on the amount of time it would take uh, to develop. So, for example, if it's like a really difficult thing to do and and quite a niche feature, we'll be like, all right, well maybe we'll think about that uh, at some point down the line. If it's a if it's a fairly simple feature and we feel it would really um, improve the app, and there are lots of requests for it, for example. Then yeah, we'll, we'll try and stick it in ASAP. So for example, when, when Pixelmator Pro came out, we, we didn't have things like the convert selection into shape feature, which I don't know. I mean, for some people, it's very useful. For others, you know, they might they would notice it wasn't there. But we had we had a fair a fair number of, of requests for the feature, so we we prioritized that over you know maybe something else. Now, as you know, a young upstart such as myself, emailed you a while ago asking about the resizing algorithm for iOS. Is the way that it resizes on the iPhone and the iPad been significantly significantly tweaked and changed since I last put in my email? Uh, no. The thing is actually that with the resizing algorithms on the, on, on the iOS version is that there's two different ones. There's one for the image size and one for non-destructive layer resizing, and that was actually the problem that the in Pixelmator for iOS, we had actually worked on a non-destructive resizing that we were planning to later bring to Pixelmator Pro, and that's why I think you had some trouble with that because uh, it, w- it would be it would non-destructively resize, and the preview or the the sort of rendering you would get of that resized layer in the image wouldn't be uh, like I think it was a bit too sharp or something a bit too maybe decided blocky. Uh, but I think when you ex- bought it, it should have been more or less fine. But anyway, in Pixelmator Pro, uh, it's, it's different, yeah. The, the non-destructive uh, resizing and the image size algorithms are a little bit different as well. But we are working on actually bringing certain algorithms as well for, for resizing to the Mac, like uh, well, like nearest neighbor for like pixel art and like interesting ones like Lanchos for, for sort of mm, smoother scaling of things. So yeah, we're working on that. I do feel like I threw you under the bus on a little bit, of that. but you are right. Actually, now I think on it, uh, when you resize it on the screen, it looks one way, but then when you bounce it out, uh, it does all tend to look nice and groovy. And to be fair, with Pixel Meter Pro, uh, I've just been resizing, grabbing things willy and indeed nilly, and it's been absolutely brilliant. 
so that's all that side. Now, machine learning. So you can go into Pixelmator Pro and it, you've got a, an option there to enhance your photos by machine learning. But how does a machine learn to know what the colours are? Because wouldn't you have to tell it what the colours are for it to learn? Or am I being completely woefully uh, ignorant of what machine learning is? Cool. I'll try to explain this to the best of my ability. But the the idea behind, or the I guess the way the, the, the ML enhanced feature works, is we give it a certain number of photos that have bad colours. For example, bad white balance, you know, bad contrast, bad, uh, what else can we have? Bad lighting, bad exposure. Uh, and, and then we give it photos which, are, which have all those things that are uh, the exact same photo, but all those things fixed. And using the power of, of machine learning magic, we train an algorithm to go from the broken version to the good version, basically. And then... You pack that into a core ML model, stick it in the app, and for example, it will fix white balance in in photos with, well, it's the most accurate white balance correction tool that we have found in any app on any device. Because uh, you can definitely can measure, like you can say, oh, okay, this is the correct white balance, like you know, there's no yellow or blue tint. And uh, we measured it, we measured various apps like Photos and Photoshop, and whatever. And this was, I think, at least twice as accurate. So it was, it was the first one we found where we, we could rely on it pretty much most of the time, whereas others, other apps, it's kind of like, yeah, this is a little bit off. I guess it's maybe better. But with, with machine learning, we, we managed to get it to a point where it's spot on most of the time. I, I see. I do remember the last time you were on the show, uh, and we were looking at, I think, I, well, yeah, it was yourself, was it? We were looking at the big machine learning graphic and I said, right, I'm going to come back to that. What are, the, some, what are the, some of the other machine learning bits and bobs that's under the hood of the Pixelmator uh, gear? Uh, so there's the automatic layer name feature. So uh, when you drop in photos, it will, will recognize it, uh, the contents and give and name the layer based on the contents of the image. Uh, what else have we got? So we use certain ML things for the repair tool and the quick selection tools, but that's most uh, more in training them uh, rather than them relying on machine learning directly within the app. And actually, as people, people with machine learning, they often think that like when you use it, the machines get more intelligent. But that's not really kind of <laughs> how it is. It's more that... That is exactly what I was thinking. Uh, and again, <laughs> that, that just shows my ignorance of um, you know, machine learning because in my head i'm thinking ah right it's a finely tuned algorithm and it will start learning and absorbing look at the 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 way it works actually we train the algorithm and that's it now it's learned it's educated and it won't you know everything like all the processing for the enhanced feature the lay naming happens on the device like nothing no data ever leaves it, and, and it's all just packed into i mean i shouldn't say this because it kind of ruins the magic for everyone but machine learning is just like really, really advanced statistical modeling. Maybe, but maybe I'm wrong here. But that's how I kind of imagine it. Uh, it's just it just allows you to process huge numbers of data. In our case, for example, twenty million photos, right? And then create a model based on on all the data in those twenty million photos that you can fit into a fairly small core ML model, and then 
based on that, the model can predict certain things. The result can say, okay, this photo uh, has a person in it, this photo has a dog in it, this photo has a hot air balloon in it. Or it can say, this photo has the white balance off by this much, this photo has the white balance off by that much. This photo, is, the contrast isn't quite as good as it should be by that much. And that's that's kind of how I understand machine learning. Again, not like a, I'm not super duper expert on this, but that's that's generally, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's no, I'm totally with you there because as I understand it and the people I've spoken to who know more about these things than, than I do, they pretty much explain it that way, that the, the machine learning is about how you build an algorithm. What you do is you throw a huge amount of data at it, you know, massive, as you say, you know, 20 million photographs or whatever, and you use that to create a huge statistical model and what the machine learning does is crunch that down into something that can be turned into an algorithm that can then, as you say, recognize the white balance is off or this is a picture of a dog or, you know, uh, this, is, this, this is grass, so it should be green. This is the sky. It should probably be blue. Um, so once you've done that, the machine learning part and the, the core ML and all that is about how you feed that data in to build algorithms for your application. Once it's done, it doesn't learn anything else, or at least not not unless you've you know you've got a, a feedback loop. And if you're using a feedback loop, obviously you have to make your users aware that we are we are taking the information that you are using it when you do that, and saying you know do you want us to do that or not? But most apps don't because that's just another overhead. That's a huge amount of overhead. I mean, maybe if you're Google, you can you can manage that. But most other people are like, we don't we don't need the aggravation. We don't need the you know the permissions and all the GDPR that goes with that. We just you know we feed it we feed it all that information. We build an algorithm, then we put it in the app, and then when it's in the app, it, it uses that algorithm, but it's all on the you know on the user's device, and nothing goes anywhere. So uh, that's um, that. That's how I understand it, and uh, so you know, I think we're pretty much on the same page there, Andreas. I would yeah. like to know how do you feed twenty million photos into an app so it learns from it? I'd love to know that process. See, that's that's one thing I wish I I, I knew, but I have to I have to ask a, a resident scientist. <laughs> what you get, right? What you get, Mark, is you get a really, really enormous, uh, you know, data center, and then you point your <laughs> point your app, and you go open, and then <laughs> open drive, and then you go away for a long time while it crunches it all. Oh, I'm sure it, that's not how it works. Does it really. use cloud <laughs> processing and all those other buzzwords that people like to throw out there? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that's not how you do it, and they certainly don't have a lot of interns going. Open, close, open, close, open, close through millions of photographs. I've probably had worse jobs. Um, what What are some of the features that you really like in Pixelmator Pro than Andrews? What are the ones that sort of really, that you like and of what the customer feedback has been, uh, what they seem to like? Uh, I think what I personally like is is, is the non-destructive nature of, of the app. And some things... We're also working to improve in this area. I, I keep like prefacing things with that, but anyway. Uh, so basically, color adjustments affects so any any kind of layer manipulation is mostly non-destructive in Pixelmator Pro. So you can always go back and, and, and sort of undo your changes. And 
there are things that I would love for us to improve there as well, and that we're actually actively working on to ship in in, a, in an upcoming update that will make this whole non-destructiveness even more apparent. Which I think right now is kind of it's a little bit uh, not entirely visible because you can't see them on the layers and whatever. But yeah, we'll get that. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, we can uh, we can chat about that another time. And I think I, I think that we've had really positive feedback about is the are the photo editing tools so the color adjustments um obviously we've got like uh full support native support for raw images uh and we the the, the adjustments have been designed in such a way uh so as to preserve image colors i don't know if you've um ever had this happen but like you, you might edit a photo and pump up the saturation a little bit too much and end up with a with like artifacts and stuff like that and it's just kind of things that you you want it to be like really say vibrant which is usually a bad idea but anyways let's say you'll say you know damn damn everyone else i want this to be a really really vibrant you know nuclear green um but it ended up with artifacts you know in, in in various areas of the image so we've we've tried to sort of minimize that and i think that is is one of the reasons why people enjoy the adjustments so much uh and another thing is is that they're you know i think they're quite easy to use but they're still the kind of time-tested tools uh that that you know curves levels and, and things that people are used to and a few a few additions that uh from sort of say the original pixelmator like replace color and just stuff like that i don't know i mean definitely had good feedback about the the photo editing tools Excellent. Right. I've, I've got I've got two questions here from uh, Steve Hammond um, that he'd asked me to ask you. And just he'd like to know about the Pixelmator for iPad cross compatibility with Pixelmator Pro, which I'm pretty sure is. Uh, well, as far as I'm aware, is, is you know, pretty much 100 percent. But, uh, you know, would you like to clarify that for him? So I guess he's asking about the, the Pixelmator Pro. Uh, Pixelmator. Pro, yeah, for Mac and Pixelmator, the original Pixelmator for, for iOS, in which case, uh, so this is, they're not exactly compatible just because Pixelmator Pro is a brand new um, app, all this non-destructive stuff, all these new uh, tools and features. And, 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 and yeah, so, I mean, there, there, is, there are certain ways you can, you can get around that, for example, by uh, working on uh, exporting things in like PSD, so Photoshop documents, which the original Pixelmator um, on the iPad can open. Uh, and and yeah, we we really do eventually want to want to create a Pixelmator Pro for the iPad. But I think people sometimes uh, <laughs> forget that we're a very small company, <laughs> uh, and 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 certain things uh, it's 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 tricky to do with the kind of quality that we want to do it with. So we, you know we could bring something there that maybe was a bit half baked, but there's not really any point. So we, for now, we want to concentrate on the Pixelmator Pro on the Mac and make that as good as it, you know, possibly can be. You know, make people like Simon happy uh, <laughs> as happy as possible before we we undertake something as big uh, as 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 Pixelmator Pro. Oh, yeah, no, know. That's, that's fine. Um, that's fine. I perhaps I didn't phrase that correctly. I I'm, although that's a great answer. I was I'm thinking, it, if you have, I, I well. I'm putting words into Steve's mouth here, so maybe I'm wrong, but I was thinking more about if you've got a load of stuff that you've done previously, you know, on either original Pixelmator or Pixelmator for the iPad. 
Oh, okay, yeah. Well, in that case, then everything's going to just open up and fix my front the Mac. Yeah, so, 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 yeah, so everything but it's, a, is... it's more of a one-way street. It, I, yeah, yes. I'm, I, I wasn't, well, I don't know about Steve, but I was not envisaging saying, oh, can I take something from Pixelmator uh, Pro, which obviously is, is more advanced and more complicated, as it were, and, and, because you're going backwards. That's like taking something from, I don't know, you know, Photoshop exactly. 2019 and saying, can I open it in Photoshop 6? Uh, you know, maybe you can, maybe you can't. Yeah. I, I, well, I interpreted this question more about, can I take my images that I have done in Pixelmator, you know, and bring them into Pixelmator Pro without any... In that case, yeah. And the other question... Yeah. And the other the other question, he says, um, I would like some... Im- more information about Pixelmator Photo for iPad in general, and would it include a uh, digital asset management or anything similar? That's a big, I know that's a big, that's a bit of a big question because I know digital asset management in and of itself is a huge undertaking in its own right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you you haven't, there aren't really that many apps in general out there that, that do digital asset management either on the Mac or, or, or a mobile device, because it is a very tricky thing to do right. Uh, and for us, again, we'll, we try to rely as much on existing Apple products, Apple features as possible, to, so that we can focus on bringing uh, just new features and, 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 and say, putting our own spin on, on, on things, yeah. uh, tools, and, and so on. So, so in terms of photo, pixelated photo, it's it's going to be, uh, I guess, the best bits in terms of the photo editing tools from Pixelmator Pro. So the, the color adjustments, the repair tool, uh, a few other extra details, and and yeah, we'll, we'll leave the asset management to the files app and to to, to the photos app. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I think that answers his question. We've just had another question here from someone anonymous, aka me. The... <laughs> I've tried a couple of sort of image editing apps and they all seem to suffer from one similar sort of problem. Like if I create a template, which is normally, let's say, A3, I drop a few rulers on there, you know, like layout guides. I save it and then I open it up on the desktop. Those guidelines aren't often carried across. Is that something that now works with Pixelmator? I would actually have to check that. I haven't, I have to admit and say I've never even been asked that question in my three years of of, of, of Pixelmator and even doing supports. That's actually a very good question. That I've, and I think that's that definitely should happen. So if it doesn't, um, we need to take a look at that. And, uh, but actually, Pixelmator for iOS doesn't have a line. Uh, the persistent alignment guy that has just the dynamic ones that pop up when you're aligning objects. So I guess that's one thing. But I think, yeah, I think in general, that's a, that's a very logical feature. That, that, I will uh, chat to you after the show about that. Uh, I've, got, I've got a little bit of input, but I will save that for after the show. And, and just, are there any other sort of like product announcements you want to get in before we wrap up the show? No, I think, I think that's, we covered pretty much everything that uh, I, well, yeah, all, all our products in the pipeline and existing ones. So, yeah. Okay, well, I think that's uh, about it. Thank you very much, uh, Andreas, for coming on the show. Would you like to do the usual promotion of your product by giving out your uh, social media and web presences? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if, you, if you're looking for a, an image editor on the Mac, 
uh, or, or, or the iPad or the iPhone, check out Pixelmator. Please, if you do check it out, let us know what you think. I really, really appreciate all feedback. And yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys think about it. And if you want, you can check me out, check me out on social media. I don't post anything ever, but if, if you have any questions, I will always answer. And thanks a lot for having me on the show as well. No, it's been fantastic having you on. It's always good to have a catch up with a guest and find out about the evolution of their um, of their products. Oh, I did say I was going to ask you this before you go. What is the oldest bit of Mac hardware you use? And sorry, Apple hardware you use. And what's the newest bit of Apple hardware you use? Uh, I don't have that many old bits around. That the first just uh, the first. Apple device that I got was I think 2006 iMac when I was still in school and that actually had me hooked pretty much for ever since then I haven't switched uh, to a Windows um, device for, for my you know computer stuff and the newest so, so the oldest thing I have now is either my iPhone or my MacBook so my, my iPhone and MacBook are both from 2017 so I've got iPhone 8 and a uh, touch bar mac pro and the newest bit of hardware is the series 4 apple watch which i'm enjoying i have to say it's quite a nice bit of kit I'm, I'm saving up for one i've decided to take the plunge if anybody out there wants to buy an apple watch series 2 drop us a line andreas from pixelmator thank you ever so much for giving me up an hour of your time to come on our little show obviously you can find all of the show notes and we'll have links galore to pixelmator and i can attest i'm no artist i have basically the artistic skills of a three-year-old with a big red crayon and a white war and i've been left unsupervised after having a bar of chocolate but even i have managed to do quite a bit of successful printing organizing layouts filters using a bit of machine learning to make my photos look better and it's fantastic so please 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 go and check out pixelmator pro it really is fantastic andreas from pixelmator thank you very much for coming on the show thanks a lot for having me right thank you andreas um i'm going to chuck in a couple of quick worth of chirps mark before we exit listeners may remember that i mentioned that i had purchased a uh, cheap Tender Nova MW3 two-pack mesh system for my house. Worth a chirp, that product is now reduced to $60 US or £50 UK on Amazon. Um, And there's a link to a tech advisor review who score it very highly. And I have had uh, no complaints from my daughters since I installed it. So there you go. That's my uh, thing. And uh, Rob Ray sent us a Black Friday bundle of nine mac os apps uh which is 25 dollars, and that's available via the link from apple world today so there you go so that's it i think uh we'll wrap the show up shall yeah, we that's it so if you want to catch up with myself you can find me on the twitter at ocean speed doing a bit of regular tweeting at essential apple and of course you can find us at essentialapple.com. simon where are you at I'm on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And that'll do um, us. That's about it. Really. And don't forget, Pixelmator, they're awesome. Go follow them, because they're Ooh. awesome. Woo. <laughs> yes, at Pixelmator is uh, the Pixelmator team. We have some great stocking stuffer and holiday and anytime gifts 
on this week's Nemo's Hardware Store, plus a special report, so keep listening. $30, you get Charge Hub V2 from LimitlessInnovations.com. C-H-A-R-G-E-H-U-B, all one word, Charge Hub V2. Comes in lots of different colors. The one we have is a beautiful silver chrome. It's a USB card charger with a 1.0 and a 2.4 amp USB standard port. And then a seatbelt snipper. If you get caught in an emergency, you need to extricate yourself from a seatbelt, plus a window smasher. So it's a multi-purpose, $30, beautifully designed and engineered, premium quality, two-port USB charger for your car, plus an emergency tool. Check it out at LimitlessInnovations.com. We will have the links for this and our other items in our show notes for this episode of Essential Apple Podcast. And then in the $40 to $50 range, from my great friend at CatalystCase.com, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T-C-A-S-E, CatalystCase.com, are the impact protection cases for all the new iPhones, the regular X and the XS, and then the R, and then the Max. They are 40 to $50 U.S., comes in multiple colors. They do not include a front protection. Those cases will be coming out soon, but they protect the back and the sides with volume up and down, mute slider, power sleep button, and then holes at the bottom for the charging and the speaker ports. These are the cases I use on my personal phone. I strongly recommend it. And then you want to get a glass screen protector for the front. We will have that in next week's show. So impact protection cases for all the iPhones in the X series from CatalystCase.com. Strongest personal recommendation. Now stick around for our special report. Thanks for listening to Nemo's Hardware Store every week. We have a special report here from Tucson, Arizona. We have David and we have Bob and we have a couple of new XR phones. Hi there, David. Well, it's a 10R. 10R, okay. Yes, like the Italian singer, right? 10R. (laughs) Why did you get the R and not the S or the Max? Savings and cost. Okay. A couple hundred dollars less and... uh, I'm not a big camera buff, so I didn't need the fancy dual camera. And from your previous 6S to this, what do you notice in improvement, speed, screen? Not really noticeable with iOS 12 uh, for these old guys, but uh, it's it's a bigger phone, so (laughs) things are bigger for these old guys. Great. Hi there, Bob. Hi, Nemo. How are you today? Tell us why you got the R phone. Well, my SE was uh, getting old in the tooth, and was ready for something bigger and we went to the 10r as opposed to something with the dual cameras now i am a photographer but i don't consider the cell phone camera to be a real serious camera and i use it mostly for note taking or gee how uh, how big of a thing do i need to go buy at the hardware store so i take a picture of it before i leave and any problems with the R that you've noticed or with iOS 12? No, things seem to be a little snappier with uh, iOS 12, and I haven't run into any problems um, other than uh, when I press the uh, home button, it doesn't recognize my fingerprint. <laughs> Good. David, tell us quickly about your amazing iPad purchase also. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a gigantic uh, 10R. Without the phone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really got hooked on the uh, getting re- rid of the uh, fingerprint reader and, and going to the face recognition. It works just great on the uh, iPad uh, 12.5-inch, better than I was expecting. I was a little concerned in the case that maybe the corner 
hooks would uh, cover one of the cameras. But I think the cameras are still pretty much in the center. They're just spread a little farther apart to give it the uh, horizontal and vertical, I'm trying to think, (laughs) landscape and portrait mode. But it works Uh, great either way. It works great either way. And I was kind of joking this morning. I went to look at it to check for an update. And the thing said, uh, get a little closer <laughs> in, in text. And uh, then it opened up for me. But, yeah, it's snappy. It's, uh, it's a little bit smaller than my old uh, 12 and a half inch. Uh, it fits nicely in the case I have, which was adjustable. Of course, you have to have the Apple Pencil 2. Okay, so. Uh, because uh, you, I can't get the, uh, the original Apple Pencil to work with. There's no way of pairing it uh, with it, so... Uh, there's another investment if you're a pencil user. and uh, But pencil works good, and it's kind of like almost having a mouse because you can double tap oh, on the pencil, and, and some of the apps that are currently available, Procreate is one of them, you can select by just double tapping like you're hitting on a mouse uh, to bring up the tools you want. Thank you, David. Bob, what about iCloud? Are you using iCloud more, less, or the same with your new phone? I'm using iCloud more throughout the whole Apple ecosystem, and I'm not having any problems with it yet. Uh, I think I need to step away from Apple's default organization where everything from pages goes here and everything from numbers goes there into something that makes a little more sense to me. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I was a little hesitant about, about face recognition, was that you could only have one face. Now, I let my wife have a fingerprint on my phone in case of emergency, and and so I'll let her register her face on this phone as well. So you can have two faces on the app? You can have two faces on the, I think it's all of them, all of them with face recognition with iOS 12. Very good. Oh, there's Kurt. Hi, Kurt. How you doing? Hi. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> do you have a new phone also? I do. I have the 10S. And what did you have before this? Eight. I thought you were on the annual upgrade program. I am. But you skipped a year, or the eight was your previous? No, the year. Eight, eight was last year, and okay. I got that and didn't and decided not to get the ten because ah. uh, I wanted to skip a year because it was the it was the first Very first good. version. So, so for you, what's the big change going from the eight up to the 10S? I use the camera a lot, and uh, so having a good camera is very important to me. I'm also a photographer, but I don't always carry my big boy camera with me. Bob does, and so he doesn't really need the the fancier uh, camera on the phone, but I do, so that's mostly the reason. Okay. Bob, you're back. Kurt and I just did a little experiment. We took the same picture and had it on both phones, his 10S and my 10R, and his 10S has a better screen, and we looked at it here in the restaurant, and we really couldn't tell any difference. Is that because of ambient light, or is that because we both wear bifocals? <laughs> or both? I'm or not both. sure. But is it fair to say that you have no complaints about the S, but at the same time, neither of you folks has a complaint about the R, and you would recommend if somebody, for whatever reason, is considering the R, just get it and get on with their life. Yeah, you know I mean, it's 200 bucks less. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, buy your Apple Pay with that and have some change left over yeah. and buy something else with it, a case, whatever. Right. So, uh, so if Apple- you're not into you know the OLED screen and the dual camera, I think it's a wise choice for the frugal. And we do recommend a good case and Apple Care. Is that right, Bob? Yes. Uh, 
a case, Apple Care, and a screen protector. <laughs> Absolutely. And now Apple has a little machine to apply them in their store, um, not unlike somewhat similar to the old credit card machine where it <laughs> slides back and forth and it puts it on correctly the first time. Good. Thank you, David. And thank you, Bob. Thank you, John. Good to see you, Kurt. Thanks, Nemo. It was fun. John Nemo, signing off till next time. You can look at your text. And quite and finally, what's for tea tonight? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm actually fancying a kebab right now. So we'll oh, see. good lad. Kebab with the boys. Good lad. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even, if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh... Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. I don't know who you are, but I will find you. And when I do, you had better be listening to the Tech Fan Podcast. Because if you're not, well, you may not live long enough to regret it. Remember... It's called the Tech Fan Podcast. Listen, and you won't regret it. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye, and thank you for listening.